Hey friend, welcome to Goal Driven Moms. I am so glad to have you back with me today. We are going to be talking about self-care. Okay, so the idea of self-care is a bit taboo these days. I'm not sure how taking care of our own needs as moms or women got labeled as self-care in the first place. Because just as we'd take care of our kids' needs or we'd help our husbands out, we also need to take care of our basic needs to show up for everyone else. It's not selfish. It's common sense. You don't need commercials or speakers to give you permission to take care of yourself through self-care. And that's why today I'm bringing on Emily Nichols to talk about redefining self-care in a way that helps you to show up as the best version of yourself for your personal relationships and professional endeavors. Emily Nichols is the host of the top 2% ranked show, Self Transformed, a podcast redefining self-care through simple fitness, nutrition, and mindset habit hacks for busy working moms. From her own struggles as a busy working mom, Emily finally found the solutions to feeling empowered, confident, and how to live a healthy lifestyle that doesn't feel hard or like another thing on your to-do list through proven habit strategies. Emily is now on a mission to redefine self-care and equip other women with these sustainable tools to help transform your life from the inside out and start putting yourself first without guilt. Now, I want you leaving this conversation today, understanding that taking care of your basic needs in a holistic way is essential, and it shouldn't be this taboo of a topic. It should just be common sense. So are you ready? Let's dive in with Emily Nichols. Hey mama, welcome to Goal Driven Moms. Do you want to find yourself again outside of motherhood and clarify your God-given goals? Do you find yourself up late at night wondering how to find simple systems to keep you on track? Do you wake up with big ambitious goals only to feel guilty, prioritizing your interests over others' needs? Hey, I'm Gabe and I too was a busy working mom who lost herself to motherhood. I put my dreams on the shelf where they collected dust for years. I was pulled in a thousand directions with too many to-dos piling up, and I desperately wanted to find a way to create a work-life balance and be present for my family. I wished I could enjoy interests of my own, but I kept telling myself I didn't have what it takes, others would judge me, and that me time was selfish. Until I found out a little secret. My kids need me to be their example, and they need to see me win. Yours do too. In this podcast, you will discover how to clarify your goals, how to plan with purpose, and how to ditch your distractions and simplify your home so you can turn your passions into purpose by pursuing your goals God's way. In order to realize finish line goals, we need to be willing to step into the fire of refinement so God can mold us into women ready to crush our goals His way. I've learned to use my interest in running to enhance my productivity and spiritual growth. I believe that life is one massive marathon and it's up to you to run your own race and to finish it well. Lace up those running shoes and step into the fire with me because I know you will come out stronger. Hey, Emily, thank you so much for hopping on Goal Driven Moms with me. I'm so excited to dive into this topic with you. Hi, Gabe. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Now, I already did kind of a, a formal bio for you, so my listeners know a little bit more about you, but I would love to start out with you just telling us something unique, something we might not know or something fun about you mm, something we might not know or something fun so I think this is really interesting so I am 41 
And I have been with my husband more than half of my life. We started dating when we were 15 years old. So we have literally grown up together. And I still obviously love him and like him very, very much. (laughs) That is so fun. That would be like my son, like like finding his wife right now. That's crazy to think about. I know. Well, my oldest is 14 and he has this sweet little girlfriend right now. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's weird. (laughs) So weird. So funny. So did you get married young? When did you get married? We were 20. I was 22. He was 23. So after like college and getting like established and stuff. So yeah. How fun. I love it. It's a unique story. You don't hear it too often. No. Well, both of our parents were like high school sweethearts too. It's just really funny. So I always just say I got really lucky and found him very early in our lives. Mm -hmm. So good. I love it. I love it. It's weird to think that it's more than half your life. You've known him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Weird. So weird. Uh, But I love him and like him. That's important too. And like him. Yes. Cause yeah, sometimes we'll be like, I love you, but I don't like you right now. (laughs) We joke about it, but anyway, well, good. I'm so glad that you love and like him. That's super important. So (laughs) I would love to dive a little bit into your story as well. I know today we're talking a little bit about self-care and really redefining our mindset around it. Because one thing that I know is that we can really take it and feel guilty. Like the mom guilt, we talk, we've we talked about this before. The mom guilt is so real. Um, and so self-care, as the world calls it, um, can really feel selfish and then feel like, oh, we shouldn't do that. Um, so I'd love to hear, did you fall into the trap of the world's definition of self-care for a while? Um, like, tell me a little bit about where this came from and how you started redefining what it was for you. Yeah, I mean, it really started for me, which is so interesting is I can have I can pinpoint it was September of 2015, when this shift started happening for me. So if we rewind back like seven years, almost eight years ago now, I was climbing the corporate ladder. I was like trying to do the best that I could with my little boys and throwing big birthday parties and having like perfect dinners on the table. And I was really burnt out. I was trying to live up to an expectation that really wasn't realistic that I thought I had to do. And I was dealing with all of that in really unhealthy ways. I would turn to like excessive online shopping or drinking, you know, a glass of wine that would turn into like two, okay, maybe three glasses of wine. And then I would feel like terrible the next day. Or I would turn to food in particular, like sweets, like I'm a sucker for a good chocolate chip cookie, like still am, but I kind of hid it in shame and guilt that I was using food to really cope with all of the stress and overwhelm that I felt. And my husband at the same time, he was working like shift work. So he'd work second shift, he'd work day shift, evening shift or night shift. And his sleep suffered because of that. And he's always been a runner his whole life. He gained a lot of weight. It was hard on him mentally and physically to do the things he loved. And our house just felt tense. It felt tense. If you yourself or if you've lived with someone that hasn't slept well for a long period of time, nobody's happy. (laughs) It's just a really tense environment. 
And at that point, he was like, you know, I'm at a breaking point, we need to do something. You know, my brother just did this thing called the whole 30. Let's do the whole 30 together. And I was like, okay, like give up like wine and cookies for 30 days. No way. And I was like, the queen of like starting and stopping something I would start something on a Monday, I'd write it on my planner. And by the end of the week, it wasn't happening anymore. Because really, I logistically had no strategy behind it with my crazy busy schedule. I was like, okay, we're going to do this together. We're going to do it as a team. And at the end of 30 days, I was like, oh my gosh, I did it. I've never felt more empowered in my life than being like, look at me sticking to a promise I made to myself. And we were doing it as a team together. So having that accountability really helped as well. And then from there, it really just snowballed. It was like, well, what else can I do? So I started moving my body more. I started like taking spin classes. And as I started taking more spin classes, I had this little inner voice, like you could teach spin classes, like this is fun. And so I was like, okay, I'll go get my certification. And then after that, I was really digging deep into personal development and listening to podcasts, books, and, you know, figuring out like what's going to help me with my mindset. And what I realized over time, and this is probably like a six month period, if not more, I had developed a self-care routine. I had developed a self-care routine. And as I did digging deeper into personal development, I was like, oh, I really love learning about habits and habit strategy and how to really kind of bridge the gap. So that's pretty much what I do now is I help women have it hack their health and less time and guilt-free. So I do that through the Self-Transform podcast where I like to say I'm giving them tools to put in their transformation tool belt because we're always transforming over time. And I really came to realize like, wow, taking care of myself is probably one of the most unselfish things I can do because my family reaps the benefits of it. I mean, and my husband, I mean, he had his own massive transformation. He lost 50 pounds. He started running. I mean, he became a Boston Marathon qualifying runner. I know you can relate to that, Gabe. And it was just really cool to see both of our transformations and how we were able to influence our kids over time. And you know, I did used to think self-care was just like bubble baths and massages and nothing's wrong with those things. Those are great. But self-care is actually the hard things you do every single day to take care of yourself. And everyone wins when you're coming from that place of, I like to envision like a pitcher where, you know, you're filling it up, but the water is overflowing and your family and loved ones get that overflow they are getting the overflow because you feel so full and you're thriving versus just barely surviving so self-care is hard but it's so necessary and this has been a journey it's not to say that my healthy habits are in place all the time because they're not I'm human I'm not that further ahead of my clients to tell you the truth but we do so with grace and having strategy behind it and simplifying health to really you know, take care of ourselves and train for life. Mm, I love that. So as I'm hearing you talk, I'm hearing that really self-care has to do with um, taking care of our basic needs. Like who knew that how eating would affect our health or our energy or how we can show up or if we add a simple exercise routine or different things. And honestly, I'm looking at it going, I want everyone else to be healthy. I want them to do those things. I want them to be able to show up as their best selves. So why wouldn't I think the same of me? Because I know for me, a lot of times 
I, I got into that mom, like the mom guilt trap of going, no, I can't do that. That's, that takes too much time. And I need to be somewhere else for other people and all the things, but I just learned, I just burned out. And a lot of, I think I was like you in the beginning where I was just busy. I had a ton of different work roles, a ton of different just roles in general. And I was going, going, going without really true purpose behind it. Like I didn't really have intentionality behind it. I just was busy. And I think that's how I, I grew up knowing what busy was. So I thought I had to do that and do everything. But then I forgot to take care of myself and got into the the burnout or started kind of spiraling back down to um, a more depressed state or different things. And so it's a huge thing for us as women to really look at what are our needs? Like, what do we need to do in order to be healthy for the long run? Because we're not just on this planet for a short time, most of the time. I mean, um, we're, you and I are like, not even midlife yet. We could have, I think about that going, like I'm turning 40 next year. So I think about it going, if I live to be at least 80, I'm only half, I'm not even halfway through my life. This is weird. So weird. Right. Cause at 20, I thought like I had lived a long time. And so, but I would love to hear a little bit about why it's important to change our mindset on what self-care truly is. And, and maybe a little bit about how would we do that? Yeah. I mean, I kind of think of it like this when we're changing our mindset around self-care, you know, we're coming from a place of burnout. Maybe we're not the most patient mom or wife sometimes, and we don't want to come from that place anymore. You know, when I started coaching folks, I thought back to like my psych 101 class in college that I thought I would like never use again. It's probably like the only class I've used since then. tell you the truth but you think of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and at the very bottom of this triangle there's your fundamental needs your basic needs and you work your way up and it's like connection and you work all your way up to like self-fulfillment you're living in your purpose you're living your best life but our pyramid that base of that pyramid has no support because we're not taking care of our fundamental needs, our basic needs in order to survive. And everyone just isn't getting the best of us. So when I think of fundamental needs, yes, I think of health. And I feel like health has been so overwhelming and complicated because of all of the messaging we get, it's so confusing. It's that's why like the diet industry is a bajillion billion dollar industry, right? There's so many things. Well, I'll try this. I'll try that. Like, trust me, I used to try everything too, until I really just define like, Hey, I just want to like train for life. And thinking of it this way, good watching my husband suffer when his health wasn't there. If I don't have my health, I don't have anything. Everything suffers. So it's really just redefining that mindset in you as far as like health goes, basic fundamental needs. Now, when I think of health, I kind of just take that into three categories. So I do, I focus on food freedom, movement, and mindset. And then sitting back and asking yourself, okay, which one of these would best serve me right now in the season of life I'm in? Because a lot of times, you know, we'll sit there and we'll try to do all the things at once. And sometimes maybe you just need movement right now. Movement is one of the most comprehensive forms of self-care of a healthy habit, in my opinion, because it's physical, it's mental, it's emotional, 
is spiritual. Like seriously, I just told you this earlier. Sometimes I feel like Jesus is whispering in my ear when I'm on my Peloton climbing up. It's usually climbing up a hill, <laughs> usually climbing up a hill. And when we just focus on those three areas, those kind of spill into other areas of your life and you're able to show up as the best version of yourself and then slowly start habit hacking more of those healthy habits onto your life once they become an unconscious behavior. Like, you know, seven years ago, working out wasn't like an unconscious behavior for me. It was something hard for me to do and like something I didn't enjoy doing. I had to find what worked for me. I had to find logistically what worked for me, change it up as I've changed, as my schedule changed, as my kids have gotten older, as my job has changed. And now it's an unconscious behavior that I can do without thinking about it. But we have to start redefining it as health, as just really taking care of our basic needs and think of it as like a little pyramid, as a triangle. And if you don't have that base of support of taking care of your fundamental needs, everything's going to crumble. Mm, so good. So as you're talking about that, and I heard uh, food freedom and movement and things like that. Well, I'm I'm pretty familiar with what food freedom means, but I would love for you to share a little bit about that. Like, I, I think that's an important piece to um, taking care of our bodies holistically. And I know that's something that you're really good at. So could you tell us a little bit more about what that means and what it could look like just in daily life for us? Yeah. So what I define food freedom as, and this can be your own personal definition, but here's what I define it as. I define food freedom as eating the foods that fuel me physically and like emotionally. So we tie a lot of emotions to food. We emotionally eat a lot of times. I'm stressed. I'm going to go eat some cookies. I'm stressed. I'm going to turn to a bag of chips and try to help, you know, band-aid that feeling. For me, food freedom means I'm eating colorful foods, I'm drinking enough water, I'm eating foods that I know help me feel good, they're fueling my body. However, on the other hand, you know, I love, I live for Taco Tuesday, going having like a good marg with my girlfriends. That fuels me like emotionally at times as well to have that connection and have that connection over food. Like that type of situation fuels me and food just happens to be a part of it. So it's really redefining like I'm not emotionally eating. I'm eating to fuel my soul in this experience. I'm eating the foods to help fuel me physically so I can show up for my family and that takes time because again, we've been, you know, conditioned to restrict our calories, to restrict, you know, really yummy foods. I mean, we're in the holiday season and I know so many of us, cause I have done it before, like the day before like Thanksgiving or like a big like holiday party. Well, I'm just not going to eat as much today because I'm going to, you know, probably overindulge tomorrow and instead coming from a place now like, well, I enjoy foods throughout the whole year, so I don't feel like I'm being restrictive. And I can enjoy those foods without feeling like I'm overindulging and feeling, um, you know, not very well afterwards because I went overboard, whereas I'm coming from a place of I can have whatever I want when I want. And then leaning into that when we're in this type of holiday season. So it takes time, you know, it takes time figuring out what works for you and what doesn't work for your body physically and emotionally, but really tuning into that. That's a habit in itself is tracking maybe like when you're emotionally eating. Um, we just opened up a digital store called the Transformation Shop, and I've made tr trracker specific to habits, but also 
tracker specific to food movement and mindset because sometimes we need to focus just on that one specific habit and really dig in deeper to that and kind of find out that data about ourselves and take it from there and define our own version of food freedom once you know that about yourself so like for emotional eating maybe you're doing an emotional eating tracker and you notice like hey every day at noon I have this zoom with my boss and afterwards I go right to the kitchen and I'm just like eating all the things and you have to stop and ask yourself well, was I hungry? Like, was I eating foods I were satiating? Or was I just like, you know, eating to feel better because that stressed me out? Okay, what can I do instead? What health healthy habit can I replace that with instead? Maybe it's like, I'll go in there and make a hot cup of tea, or I'll just go outside and get some fresh air. And it's just really leaning into that and figuring out that food isn't the enemy. It's not good or bad. It has no morality. It's just food right? It's just food and figuring out what that looks like for you. It's a very long-winded answer, but freedom for me really, really means fueling myself physically and fueling my soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I love how you said that it's not the enemy. It's not, it doesn't really have feelings. It's none of that stuff. It's just, it's there. It's there for us to use as a tool and so um, that's really great. And when it comes to movement, I'd love to talk a little bit about movement uh, because I think sometimes um, we th- we go, well, I don't have time to go lift weights. I don't have time to go on a run or whatever. Like it's a part of my life now. So I don't like when I don't get a run in, but um, movement doesn't have to be just going to the gym. Um, how can we as busy moms um, incorporate movements into our everyday life to just take care of that basic need. So this is a really funny example, but you know, a lot of times, again, we think of working out as we have to do these really hard, intense workouts. We need to be dripping sweat and that's not the case. You know, I've been walking a lot this year and I have just fallen in love with it. Cause I feel like it's almost a moving meditation at times But also, you know, a little habit strategy for you, because a lot of times we want to do something, then it's like, okay, logistically, how do I make it make it work? It's finding small pockets of time, kind of like if you've heard of the compound effect, doing small little things and watching that compound and add up to like a massive transformation over time. Um, Every time I go to the restroom, I wash my hands and I do 10 squats. So if I'm staying hydrated enough, maybe I'm going potty 10 times a day. I just did 100 squats. So thinking of it that way, if you're thinking about movement, like, okay, where can I find small pockets of time where I could do really simple movement? Where can I just stand up or give some type of trigger or reminder on my calendar to like your Google calendar to be like, stand up, it's time for a break and just walk while you're on a Zoom meeting, like walking around your office for that matter. And thinking about movement as not just something that you have to go do like in a workout class or something you have to do like um, even like a free YouTube video and something you're doing to really help you feel good physically, mentally, emotionally. And then as you start building up that discipline, it's going to start helping you feel more motivated. It's going to help you start feeling more confident because you're going to see how much better you feel as you're doing it. And then from there, you might be even more motivated to be like, well, maybe I would like to go try a class more. or Maybe I'm going to walk half a mile longer today, you know, and just see how that adds up over time. We get so caught up in gyms and all that place. I mean, I coach at Orange Theory. I love it. But 
you know, going to group fitness classes every day logistically is not for everybody. So you have to figure out what works for you at this point in your life and readjust as necessary. But it's such a beautiful form of taking care of yourself. It's so comprehensive, but we have to kind of get out of our bubble and think about it more in a creative way to make it work in our lives and be okay with that. That's so good. I love it. And even like, I, I think about movement going, well, if you like running around with your kids, just go to the park and play, you know, yes. that's movement. Yes. Yeah. And so incorporating it into spending time with our kids can work mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love that idea of kind of habit stacking it where you're doing mm-hmm. something always. So then just yes. add that in and it becomes a habit. Um, yeah. So that's really, really good. So I would love to hear a little bit about as you've been on this journey of redefining self-care and taking care of yourself so that you can show up as the best version of yourself or your family, what's one of the biggest lessons that you've learned in all of this? That it's not going to be perfect and that you need to really just let good enough be good enough. Can't tell you how many of my girlfriends I've made, you know, when during my own transformation journey, like even my friend group changed and I found myself around a lot of other like-minded women who loved movement and, you know, we were doing like races together and stuff. And I would find a lot of times girls in our group and even myself feel like, I feel so guilty. I didn't like work out today or something like that. And I'm like, who do you feel guilty towards? Like nobody cares except you, Right. Nobody cares except you, which is, you know, a hard pill to swallow sometimes. But the biggest lesson I've really learned is just let good enough be good enough and be willing to pivot. You know, we started doing something called the Healthy Habit Reset. It's a free masterclass. I'll make sure to get you the link to it if folks want to check it out. But it's something we just started doing live every quarter to give folks a way to really reevaluate, okay, what is this season of life I'm in or I'm going into What healthy habits are going to serve me in this season of my life? So, you know, we're heading into the holiday season. I already have things popping up on my calendar like crazy where I'm giving my time away to other things. It's a lot of joyful, fun things, but I'm like, "Mm, that's going to kind of affect my healthy habits that I have in place. What do I need to do right now to plan for this upcoming? So thinking about, Do I need to focus more on food freedom coming up? Do I need to focus more on movement? Do I need to, you know, make sure I'm only doing at-home workouts versus going to a studio because I'm not going to logistically be able to do that and just let good enough be good enough. You know, maybe you came off a season where it wasn't as busy for you and you're like just killing it with your self-care routine. And now you're going into the holiday season where it's a little extra busy and it's like, okay, I I probably need to dial back on whatever I'm doing because of ABC let's just let good enough be good enough and pivot, reset those habits for this season of your life. And assessing that every quarter, I think it's really smart because we're always transforming, always changing. You know, spring is a huge busy time for our family because my boys play golf and lacrosse, which are both spring sports. Like we are good until like March. And then it is just like, all the way to the end of the school year. So I have to adapt what I'm doing to take care of myself and think a little more creatively that way. So that's been my biggest lesson. Just let good enough be good enough. Don't feel guilty for not doing the things. I think there's been a lot of pressure we've put on ourselves because we see these people doing these 20-step morning routines or working out midday. And it's like, well, I guess that's not realistic for our lives. And just let, 
what works for you work for you. Mm, good lesson. Let good enough be good enough. I feel like I'm kind of working my th- way through that lesson right now for terms of, well, I thought it was because I'm getting older, but it might just be my season or capacity. But yeah. I used to be so mad at myself if I couldn't get in my run and I had to do my speed workouts and my hill workouts and all, you know, all the things. And now I'm like, I just want to go on a run or today yeah. I'm just going to miss my, you know, like it's such a different mindset. And when you can shift that to go, no, I know the season I'm in, I know the capacity I have. So I'm going to let good enough be good enough. And I, I feel like I'm learning that right now. So thank you for sharing it. Cause I think that's going to affect a lot of people. And so, and I think, um, just learning what kind of habits can you create in that season in, in working on that and getting to be okay with good enough. And so that will be really good. So I'll definitely link that masterclass for listeners to go check out. So what do you think would be, if, if my listeners could do one thing to get started with this shift in perspective, to really start taking care of themselves in this new way where it's not that taboo self-care, it's actually taking care of your basic needs and your fundamental needs. What would be the first thing you would recommend? You know, we teach a five-step process inside of the reset. The first one is just to focus on which fundamental need you need right now in this season of life you're in. You know, if we're going into the holiday season, maybe you're like, I really want to dig deeper into my food freedom so I can enjoy food during the holiday season. Next, thinking about, you know, your habit identity, like who do you want to be? Why are these habits going to support who you want to be? Maybe you're like, I want to go into the holiday season, not being someone obsessed with the food and the calorie intake or feel shame or guilt from what I'm eating. And then, you know, maybe it's a little focus in on your time. We do something called a habit inventory because logistically it's like, okay, well, Maybe I'm going to meal prep all month, you know, do little mini meal preps here and there. That way I am fueling my body and I feel good. And I, it makes me realize, oh, I feel so much better when I do this. And then have some type of habit strategy behind that. We teach something called Q routine reward. It's a three-step habit strategy where maybe you're stacking that on top of something, that mini meal prep, for example. And then lastly, track it, you know, track it for 21 days and see how it feels, you know. Um, They always say it takes 21 days to form a habit, but 90 to make it feel like a lifestyle. And we're always in such a hurry to like, oh, I have this new habit. But if we're able to track it over 21 days and we're able to evaluate it after 21 days and be like, okay, well, this time worked really well for me to do that mini meal prep. You know, now I can stack something new. Maybe I want to stack movement on there and then see how that feels and just take it slow. We're in such a hurry. And sometimes we just need to give ourselves a little more grace and see what happens over time in order to stack more habits on over time. Such a great place to start. I love that. What a great way to end this conversation, Emily. I had so much fun hanging out with you. I would love for you to let us know where can my listeners connect with you? Yeah, you can. And thank you for having me on the show, Gabe. It's so fun chatting with you. You can find the Self Transform podcast on any of your favorite podcast streaming services. And you can, I'll make sure to get you a link to to join the Healthy Habit Reset. It's just a masterclass you can use at any time. We do it live every quarter together to help you reset your habits. And we do it in not a lot of time. We do it really in a simple way and give you some actionable items and tools to help you start implementing these habits into your life ASAP. 
Awesome. Awesome. And that's what I need. I need simple. I'm all about simple habits, simple hacks, because that's how I want to live my life is simply. And that's my word for the year. We're wrapping up the year. And it, my question that I keep asking myself and everything is how can I blank simply in anything that I do? That's the question. So I love that you're talking about this in a simple way for us. I love that. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time and I hope you did too. Before we go though, make sure you follow the podcast on your favorite listening platform if you haven't already. If you resonate with this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes as it's one of the biggest compliments you could give me. If you have any friends or family whom you think would enjoy this podcast, be sure to share it with them. Also, if you're not a part of our free Simplicity and Motherhood online community, consider joining us. It's a community built to provide support, mindset, and encouragement as you develop your giftings, live intentionally, and go after your biggest goals, God's way. Head on over to redhotmindset.com for more resources and to find the link to join the community. I hope you step into the fire with me each and every episode because I know you will come out stronger. In all things I pray, you just run your race. I believe in you.